Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com. All right. So, but have you been watching the, the Olympics? I mean, hopefully by the end of the Olympics are shut down. But ha- have you been watching them? Because I sure have. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing to see all these athletes. But the the location is is simply one of the best I think they've ever had. Uh, I, I'm 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 just attracted to the beaches. You know, the scenery, Christ the Redeemer, those majestic mountains with the fog and everything. It just it's second to none. And then you got those athletes who who lie just to get more attention. You know, those type of moments. Uh, you know, I'm not going to point anybody out. Those swimmers uh they lie and you know they just you just it's amazing you know we love them though they're from us that just shows america a little bit we just got a little greedy some days uh but I, I'm, I'm glad the olympics are only every four years i really am because i don't think i can keep this up i mean i'm staying up late at night just to see if they win you know see if they lose and but what i, I think i'm more attracted to is simply the stories you know, the stories of watching how these guys are so devoted. They came out of like these, 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 these scenarios that are just horrible. There was a swimmer, and I can't remember exactly the location she came from, but man, I was a huge fan. She didn't win. She didn't come close to win, but I was cheering her on. Basically, she, she was a, a, an immigrant, and she fell out of the boat, and she started swim, you know, swimming and swam all the way to save the people in the boat. And then it was just nuts. I'm like, yes, I am cheering for Yushi. I mean, I think that's her name. And I was like, yes, I am a Yushi fan. And it was just so amazing to hear their story of life and how devoted they were to get where they wanted to get to which the olympic games and how unstoppable nothing could stop them i mean they were laser focused and so i'm devoted to watching all these olympics and i hope you have been encouraged to by them as well but it, you know it, it's just just to be real it's it's kind of hard to get up at you know early in the morning go to work when you stayed up at three o'clock in the morning just seeing if she won or not you know Uh, I know we got cell phones but I like to watch it live I know I just I'm stupid but I I was watching all these athletes uh, and I was watching all the swimming events and the track and field and 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 these are all great you know sporting events but then here comes this other one that's kind of weird I'm like why do why do we have ping pong in the Olympics uh, but these guys are intense. If you've ever watched these, that they throw that ball up, they hide the ball, they cover the ball, and when they're done, I mean, they are sweating more than some of the athletes that have ran a marathon. Uh, but then, there, then there's this one death match called water polo. I mean, it's like it might as well be called WWF underwater. I mean, these guys, it is crazy what goes on. I mean, you, they, they are probably the best athletes in the entire Olympics. I mean, because they're swimming back and forth, they're treading water the whole time. It's like, you know, the, the one, if you grew up in sports, I mean, if you, if you did lean in, you'll know what I'm talking about. You want to get in, you know? You're sitting beside the coach, you're doing everything, you're holding a clipboard, you're doing everything you can to get in. This is the one sport I would not, I'd be on the back row going, yeah, I don't want to get in, I don't want to die. You know, this is the one sport, I'd be, I'd be happy cheering on my guys. I mean, they do, it is nuts. He's pointing you, you're in, you're in, you're in. You're like, I know, coach, I'm good right here. Bench warmer, that's me, you know? Uh, but I, that is crazy events. And, and then, you know, what I would think, I, I think just me, and this is how my mind works, and just to see, I'm just leaning into you because it's a rainy weekend. Let's just try this. You know, I think, I think the Olympics should try something a little different next time. You know, we've got four years to work on it, so maybe we, if enough of us start tweeting at them, maybe they'll do this. But what would it look like for them to do some combo events? Because I know some of them don't get the coverage that they need to get, but Let's just look at, you know, like something like um, fencing 
and the balance beam. Put them together, you know, and, and have Captain Jack Sparrow as the ref, you know, the official. That would just be amazing, by the way, you know? I mean, just, you know, can you imagine what that would look like on the balance beam? If you fall off, you know, you must pass 10 points. It's a death match. And so it's one of those things. What about, what about horseback equestrian and javelin throw? I mean, the Indians used to do it. I mean, I'm not calling out people, but I mean, they, back in the Warriors used to do this stuff, and they used to hit it all the time, but no one watches the javelin. No one watches the horses. But this one right here, I was thinking about it. This one right here makes sense. You know, this one makes sense. Because I would definitely have a front row ticket for this one. Badminton and trampoline. Who would not want to play that? I mean, you're bouncing. You know, that would just be great. Sir, you know, that would be awesome to watch that right there take place. Who wouldn't want to watch those events? So regardless of what your favorite sport is, man, the crazy thing is these athletes are devoted to the sport that has changed their life, right? Whether it's badminton, ping pong, javelin, you know, horseback, water polo, whatever it is, they've devoted everything and it's changed everything. They've devoted their entire life, and my guess is it's changed their family's lives. It's changed their friends' lives. It's changed their friends' of friends' life because now they're cheering for this person. They don't even know who it is. It's crazy what happens when you devote yourself. It's, it's actually amazing. It actually becomes an unstoppable force within when you devote yourself to something because people start to take notice. I mean, you guys have all watched Michael Phelps, Ledecky, the gymnast, and the track and field guys, they finish up, and everyone else. But they could not have done this if they were not devoted to their sport. I mean, it takes hours and hours of time of devotion passion for them to come away with what? This one little object they want so, so much, which, which, which is a what? A gold medal, right? Even if, even if they get bronze, man, it's, it's a medal, right? They, they devoted their time, their energy, and fourth place doesn't cut nothing. I felt sorry for the one who's won the marathon yesterday. She didn't get nothing. She was right there. She was a foot away. I felt sorry for her, but she didn't get anything. She devoted her entire life, and she missed out by like a couple seconds. You know, it's, it's, it's a part of life. But they started, they started training a long, long time ago. They devoted everything. They, they, they didn't start last week. They didn't start yesterday. You know, Michael Phelps did not wake up two weeks ago and say, you know what, I'm going to go to the real Olympics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. If you remember a couple of years ago in 2012, he, he didn't train very well and he missed out on a couple of amazing medals simply because of his lack of effort. But this time, let's just be real, the dude was ripped. I mean, if you saw him, he, he had every, in, I mean, his intensity was crazy. And he won everything that he devoted himself to. And it's, it's amazing what happens when you truly, truly decide to devote yourself to something. It changes everything. The closest that I've ever been to, to the Olympic Games um, I was down in the Olympic Park down in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you've ever visited or you've been around it. I mean, it's kind of cool to go, go take a look at it. But it's, it, it was one of those moments of clarity. Because you look at, like we talked about last week, and let's just be real. Um, you know, you look at the Olympics and, and you know, like, I can do that. You know, yeah, I can jump. I can, do the, I can do the triple jump. I can jump 10 feet. You know, you sit there and, and start to, I can swim. I can do this. But when I realized... When I realized these dudes, you know, and, and their training effort and their devotedness, and that when you go through that Olympic Park and you just see this one thing, and some of you don't even know this guy, who this guy is, but just for, for example, this year, this guy, um, Jeff Henderson, won the gold medal. Uh, he won the, the long jump at 27 and a half feet. 
So I would just thought I would show you sort of what like 27 and a half feet looks like. So um, I need, Brian Coin, come here, buddy. So you grab this in, and I'm just going to stand here, and you just start walking that way. And when you get, you know, when I say stop, you, you've reached 27 and, whoa, hold on. We got a knot. That wasn't part of the plan. There we go. Keep going, man. Keep going. And keep going. Uh-huh. Keep going right about there. So that's 27 and a half feet. And if anybody thinks that they can come up here and do that, come on. I mean, I don't even think I can hopscotch that far with five jumps. But that's pretty long in my book. And then just to think, you know, that they've spent hours and hours of devoting their time and energy into this, this is just mind-boggling. But let me just go back in history a little bit. Let me refresh your memory, especially for those who remember this. But there was a dude named Carl Lewis. <laughs> he was before Michael Phelps. He was amazing. He was, he was the original Superman. He did everything. He ran track and field. He did cross, I mean, he, did, he jumped. He did hot jumps. He did it all. And little do we know he had this in him. So he jumped the long jump and went, woo. Keep on going, buddy. Oops. <laughs> Keep on going. Like when he jumped, they went and got the tape measure and realized that the tape measure was probably broken. And then they, they brought in another tape measure and measured it again. It was like, wait a minute. This is actually real. He just jumped 29 feet, two inches. Who does that? Carl Lewis did. And all of a sudden, it was his last jump. But then there was a guy named Michael Powell that came out and said, all right, I see you're 29 and two inches, and I'm going to jump 29 and four and a half and one to go. You see, that just didn't happen. Thanks, Brian. That just didn't happen overnight. It took years of practicing, of devoting their time and energy and life into training, into training can you imagine how much, how much time away from their families, how much time spent and invested with their talent, their tithe, and, the, and, 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 and more importantly, everything who they were, they devoted everything, their energy into winning gold. It's crazy that athletes will do this. But in church world, we, we sit here and we argue about some things and, and we bicker. And so I thought it would be wise today to start off with an idea or a word, a word that could change everything. And so this word is, is, should be right here, hopefully. And I don't know if you know if you can read that or not, but that's Greek. And the word is adaphemos. So I want to have a Greek lesson with you this morning and just have a look. Have a little correspondence with our class this morning. And so why don't you say this together? So it's adaphemos. Ready? One, two, three. Adaphemos. Very good. It's not Greek to you no more. If you see that word out in the public, you go, oh yeah, I know that word. It's adaphemos. But like, what does it mean? I don't know. But adaphemos means devoted. It means devoted. It means they decided to devote themselves to something bigger than who they are with all of their body, with everything they are, with everything flowing from within, they are going to devote themselves to something greater. You see, and our mission here at Centerpoint is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. 
And if you're new, write this down because this is very important. It's kind of, it's kind of behind the scenes. It's, it's the thing that hinges everything. It's the whole idea, the concept that changes lives, that changes lives. We are not about building a denomination or building a building. And if you could say it with me again, this is where I hope and pray that you're taking notes and you need to start to permeate on your heart. We are about, our mission is to what? To lead people, come on, say it with me, to lead people to become fully devoted followers of who? The question is, are you, are you in? Are you in on this? Because it will change your life. And so if you have your Bibles, break them out, your Bible apps, go ahead and open up. You know, if you need a Bible, grab one in the back. They're free, by the way. We have given up hundreds and hundreds of Bibles, and I'm so excited about that because that means people are still taking a hard copy, not just downloading the U version or the olive tree. That's just really cool. Hey, five years ago, you know, I, I, I took off on a weekend to be trained, and, and, and it was actually this weekend. Five years ago to this day weekend, uh, I took off on a weekend to be trained what it looks like to plant a church, to plant a church uh, and making disciples in return who make disciples. Uh, and a couple of weeks later, we, we launched a, a circle group in my house and we all showed up with a secret knock. It, you know, we knocked on the door, it's kind of weird. And we all said, you know, just each one of us have our own little secret knock and, and that would get us in. Our kids were in our, our back room, they were, they were playing, they were, they were hiding in the closet. I mean, it was nuts. They were, they were tearing things up, that's okay. Uh, it, it was just fun. And then and on Thursday nights, I remember it well, on Thursday nights, we were just literally in our house praying, seeking God, asking for favor and this text this text Acts 2 is what I taught on for weeks and I remember it started to set things in motion for where we're at today and it's and it's literally the thing that hinges uh, for us to understand what changed lives changed lives look like uh, this was not just another emotional high of friends gathering around the coffee table this was not just another emotional high of watching something take place this this was this was something that we were all devoted for this is something we were all in. We camped out and it changed our lives. And what we found out was, you know, along the journey was something simple. If it was about emotion, it would fade. If it was about an emotion inside, it would fade. But devotion stays. It does. When you, when you get excited about something, you can praise God and you can go all in. That's great and everything. But is it really an emotion? Because it'll fade. But when you change your life for this, it changes everything. So devotion will stay. And that's what took place with that group of people who circled up and decided, let's make a movement. Let's go all in. And for those who have stayed, and for those who, who have decided this is what they're gonna be devoted to, they have enjoyed the favor of what it means to devote yourself and continue to change every single day, even if it's messy even if it causes some pain, even if it causes you to change what you care about. It created a movement of people who decided to be like-minded. And what we found out is, hey, that's exactly what the Acts Church looked like. They were like-minded with everything and they loved on each other. And in the New Testament, these first believers, is Act, or, Luke, or Luke records this, and this is what the sort of description that he gave them in Acts 2, chapter 42 and following. And these five verses they changed everything for us. And so this is what it says. It says, Scripture said in Acts 2, verse 42, it says, they what? They devoted. They adephemos, right? They, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, into the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Basically, we got together. 
We hung out. We, we ate barbecue together. We ate a lot of pizza. <laughs> Too much pizza. But we ate a lot of it. We had chips and salsa. We had Taco Thursday some nights. Some were good, some were bad. You know, it was one of those moments of clarity, especially when the ones who had to go to the restroom right after. And they were good. They moved you, literally. But the cool thing about it, we devoted ourselves just together to see what God was up. And then we would pray. I never, I never remember one moment when we did not get together and we didn't pray. We just asked him for favor. And so everyone was filled with awe and the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Basically, we were just sharing what God was doing with, through us that week, just like they were. And it said all the believers, they, they were what? All the believers were together and they had what? Everything in common. It's, it's, this is a difficult one because a lot of us, we, we have our own opinions. But the only common ground we had was Jesus at the center. And when that's at the center, man, it changes your, your perspective of everything. It says they're selling their possessions and their goods. They gave, they gave to anyone who had need. I remember clearly there was, a, there was a couple needs that came up. And we didn't even have offering at the time. We just, we talked about the need and we went and met the need. It was awesome. It was awesome to be a part of it. Matter of fact, we just knocked on the door and we, we put the money there and we walked away and we watched what happened. It was beautiful. It brought a story. I mean, it just brought joy to the people. And they, they posted on Facebook. It was an amazing story. And it says every day they continued to meet. How? They continued to meet together in the temple courts. So basically, we, our temple was basically, honestly, at my house at the time because we didn't have a church, we didn't have anything. So we were just gathering there, and it was awesome. We continued to meet. We met through Facebook. We met through texting. We met through phone calls. They broke bread and in homes, and how they eat? They just they fed each other. They loved it. I mean, right now I see a lot of postings on Facebook where they, you're, you're doing salsa, you're growing corns, or if you're like my house, man, we have peaches out the wazoo. We made peach gobblers everywhere. We're giving them away. But it was just amazing. We, just, we broke bread. We just shared with what we had. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, and the Lord what? It says they added to their number daily those who are being saved. You see, here in Acts 2, we see a very, very small church have a very, very large impact on the world because they devoted their lives to what they cared about. And let me say it this way. They cared about a changed life that can change a life. They, they went all in on this idea and this premise of a changed life. Because see, religion had been around for a long time. But when Jesus showed up, he changed everything. He changed the trajectory of what it meant to follow me. I have decided to go to church. Doesn't sound right, does it? I mean, it just does not sound right. But follow Jesus changes everything. It changes who you are. It changes what you care about. And when you make that type of decision, when you decide to devote yourself to this, get ready. There's no turning back. There's no turning back because there is no back. There's nothing back there for you anymore. It changes everything. And this is exactly what the new church in Acts felt. 
There was no more feeling of going just to a ritual or a relationship and a worship service for just because you can go on Sunday and dress up. No, it was so much more. You could do this in your house or gather where like-minded Christians are and you could just feel the Holy Spirit move in ways that you've never felt before simply because you decided to devote yourself to something that was greater than you. And it moved you to do more. A very small church impacted the world. You know how I know that? Because we're up here worshiping today. A very small church moved. And when they moved, they set the whole thing in motion for me and you to worship this morning. That is crazy. They were devoted. And it changed everything. You see, today we have very large churches. (laughs) We have very large Christian churches around the world with a much smaller impact because we have what? Differences. We have opinions. You see, the early church, in my opinion, were tremendously blessed because they were devoted and unified. They were together on everything. They devoted their lives to scriptures because it was very important. They studied it together as families. They camped out. They ate food together simply because they wanted to follow in what? His footsteps, not yours. You see, when you say, thy will be done, Lord, it's, it's thy will, not your will. You see, they devoted themselves to their relationships because they believed they were incredibly important. So they did life together. They devoted their resources to living with generosity. They should be generous. So they were, and they did this together, and they saw movement. And because they were so unified, you could could criticize them, but that wouldn't stop them. You could threaten to hurt them, but that would only make them more passionate. You could persecute them, and they would be more united. You could even kill some of them and that would just make the remainder of them so focused and so laser, they would go out and change the world. And they did it. They were united and no matter what you did against them, you couldn't stop them because they had God before them. And they were agreeing on everything. They were united in everything and they were devoted. They were unstoppable and they knew it. So what does God want for the church and what does Satan want for the church let me just break it down back down for us this morning what does God want for center point and what does the devil want for center point because we're a part of center point this morning up in the loft on Maine. in my opinion God wants us to be devoted and united God wants us to be devoted and united to be in agreement, to be together. And what does our spiritual enemy want? He wants us to what? Not be divided, or excuse me, not be devoted and united. He wants us to be divided and lazy. He wants divisions, or he wants this D, this capital D, with with two, not one vision. He wants us to divide and try to conquer ourselves. That's what he wants. He wants to break it up because he's scared. When Christians start to gather and start to move in a certain direction, he gets, he gets scared. So he causes fear and he puts it in the best place, the church people's hearts. Scared what it looks like to give a little bit more. Oh, you can't do that. 
Scared what it means to confess to your brother that you wronged them. Oh, you can't do that. What will people think? You see, he just starts to manipulate the truth. Your lens, your filter doesn't see pure light no more. You just see gray cloud. He's like on a rainy, rainy Sunday morning. It's crazy how the devil works and prowls around to devour his prey, which is the church. You see, if you wish to ask me, you know, or how about if I ask you, let's flip it real quick. If I ask you, do you think Christians around the world today are united or divided? What would you say? I mean, what would you say? One person says divided. I mean, if you ask me, I, I, I would dejectedly, like at the Olympics, you know, when that fourth person come in and she didn't get a medal, she was just weeping and, and just control, she couldn't control herself. She was dejected. And I would probably say in front of you, as someone who's passionate about this, you know, my wife and I have talked about this, but I would probably say we're divided. There's 70 some odd churches here in Danville and we can't even get along. It breaks my heart because I know it's, what would happen if we figured it out. If we learn how to love one another, especially our church people, our friends, the same people that are worshiping, the same God, I know what it could do. It could change everything. You see, we're divided. And worse than divided, we are splintered. Could barely get along on some of the simple principles of faith. And the first thing I think he said is what? Follow me. Follow me, not choose the religion, not the denomination, not all this other crap, but literally decide, devote yourself to follow me. And it must break the heart of God when he looks down and sees his church just splintered. What if those verses in Acts chapter two were translated into a modern day translation of, of how the, verse, the verses are actually lived out in today's churches? I think they, they, would, they, would, they would live a, a totally different type of lifestyle in the New Testament days, and they were together, you know? You see, today we, we read this passage and say they, they, were, they were in agreement, they were generous, and they were together, they broke bread. But what if it read like this? Do you think it would set the world in motion? I, I, think, it, I think for our churches today and just where we're at physically in the world, the global church, all the believers were divided, they didn't have much of anything in common. Hoarding their possessions and all their goods, they kept as much as they could for themselves. Even now and then, if it wasn't football season, and fantasy football, they weren't too tired. They would come to church for an hour and leave early just to get to Cracker Barrel. They loved Jesus when it was convenient for them, yet they were displeased by all the people and their hypocrisy that was going on. And they saw very few people get saved, but when they did, they golf clapped. I, no one said an amen, but that's the truth, right? Because when we see somebody come to know faith in the New Testament church, man, they were jumping up and down. They were celebrating. When, when, the, when the shepherds found Jesus, they went, they went away going, he is alive. We have found him. They were screaming to the top of the lungs. They were sharing their story. They were sharing their faith. I just don't see that in today's society. I don't see that in our culture. And I wonder why. My guess is, is this, because we bought into the church and not Jesus. 
You devoted yourself to church and not to what Christ could do through you. You devoted yourself to something that was going to fail when man was in charge. That's what Jesus said in the center point of the Bible, by the way, to trust in the Lord, not in man. It's better to take refuge in me, not in human. You see, it changes everything when we devote ourselves to Christ. And this is sad. Very few people got saved. Why is that? Probably all sorts of different reasons. One of my theories is in our country today, we're Christians or Christianity has become more of a me Christianity. Instead of what I think it should be, it's all, it should be about we, not me. I think if we moved in and camped out on this we idea of we're, we're together, we're united and not me, like it's all about me. It's all about me. What can I get? I'm going to church. I, w- I want to find one that meets my needs this morning. I'm church shopping. Have you ever seen that? Have you, have you been around some people that just, oh, they don't got, oh, they got this. They got the loft. They got the lights. It looks cool, but it doesn't really fit me. You know, have you, have you heard that? I mean, I, I've, I've had friends that go to other churches around it. Well, they do this. It's just, and you can just hear the moaning and groaning, but they don't even know who Jesus is. They're just church shopping. It's like trying to find Target Walmart. I hear people all the time complain that we don't have a Target. Man, we got a Walmart. It's awesome. It's got everything I need. It's got bread. It's got tools. It's got toys for my kids, Legos, which I hate. I mean, it's got everything. But we complain, right? But then we got a Kroger. We got to save a lot. We got an Aldi's, man. Then we got flea markets. We got you know, yard sale stuff. We got everything. We got everything we need. It's just right in front of us. We complain, just like the church people do. It's crazy. It's crazy to begin to think about how the church has morphed into where it's at today in our society. It becomes all about me. I can't find a church. I want to participate anywhere. None of them meet my needs, so I'm just not going to go anywhere because it's all about me. Have you heard somebody say that? I have. I've seen it. But when I read the New Testament, it's us doing our part in the family of Christ. You don't hear this me-centered philosophy, even of our church language, and I've said this many times, you need to have a personal relationship with Jesus or a Jesus story. You need to share your story, share your story, just share your story, and it can't go astray because when people ask you what denomination you are, don't camp out on that. Just go back to your Jesus story because they can't trump that one. You talk about a changed life that changes life, get ready. You got to create a movement. That's Acts 2. I'm telling you, it's contagious. Go to your Jesus story. If you ain't got one, maybe you need one. Maybe you need one. Maybe you need to start to change what you care about. And when you do that, I'm telling you, it'll change lives around you. You start to devote yourself to something greater than you. No one else can know him for you because you need to know him personally. It can't be about your grandma's faith anymore. It can't be about your mom's and dad's faith anymore. It's got to be your faith, students. You have the capability of changing the culture where you live and where you work and where you play if you decide to get serious or devote yourself to Christ. 
And when you do that, you start to gather and you start to center and you start to experience him in a community. And, and then when you start to experience him where two or three or more gathered, you start to point back towards him because it just naturally starts to, to change what you care about. And then the next thing you know, you start to live out your life as a Christ follower in him. It is mind-boggling what takes place when you devote yourself. In other words, let me say it again, it starts to change your life. And when you have a changed life, it changes lives. When we do this, we become fully devoted to Christ and to one another to be a part of a movement. People ask all the time, how do we become a member of Centerpoint? Well, see, I would rather us not view this this way because membership is almost like country club perks. I don't view it that way. But I do view the perks of when you become a member of the child of God, guess what? You got heaven to look forward to. So I do declare on that one. Yeah, I am a member of the bigger community called the heaven. I mean, I'd want to be a part of that. I know I'm gonna be a part of that one day. It's changed my life. I'm a part of God's community. And so rather than just joining you know, a member, I want you to think about I'm joining a movement for the cause of Christ. And when you think of the church that way, you should think to yourself, uh, not as a member, uh, but I want you to start to consider yourself as a partner or someone who's investing into the community of Christ. And so for us here who are gathered, who wanna be a part of this, you're more of a partner of Christ movement, that you're going to partner with other Christ followers to lead people to become fully devoted followers of what? Christ. That means you will bring you and you bring what God put inside of you and others will bring what God put inside of them. And together, and together, I think more biblical way to say this and think about it and practice it is to say this, we are going to partner together in the family of God to lead people to become fully devoted followers of, you with me? When you do this, it changes lives. People daily change they devote themselves to something. Let's just use the Olympics, for example, one more time since we're camping out on that for a little bit. These relays, these swimming things, these track things, these teams, when they all have worked as one and they unite and they bring their A game and they do everything they can, they devote themselves to training and all the, the resources they have, they put it all in where they get to go to, the Olympics. And then they become what? They, they focus so much on this one thing, this one little small object that changes everything because at that point they become what? The Olympic gold medalist, right? You with me? What happens for us when we as a church get so fired up about Jesus and it changes our lives, we go out there and start changing other people's lives, guess what happens? Let's just read it in Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. It says it very clearly. It says, his master replied, well done, good and what? Faithful. What? You have been faithful with a few things. The church, the motion, centering, pointing, and living. But I'm gonna put you in charge of many things. Come on in. Come and share in the master's happiness. You know, the, you don't see many people screaming for joy. Came in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth place in the Olympics. But when they got that gold medal, man, they're, they're biting it. They're jumping up and down. They're flying their banner. And I think this is gonna be the same feeling when, when God says, come on in. Oh, by the way, we walk on gold. <laughs> we don't just celebrate around our necks. By the way, I know it's a sidetrack, but 
I think the Olympic runners, if they just get rid of all the jewelry, they can run two seconds faster. That's just me, all right? But I'm just saying, I think if we figure this out, you're going to see a movement like no other. You're going to be a part of something greater than you. And if we decide or if we devote ourselves to this, (laughs) it's going to change your life. It's going to change everything. And we're going to enjoy in the master's happiness because we're going to see life's changed along the way. And so if you are a believer and you need to partner somewhere in a local church, you do. If you're a believer, you need to be partnering with a local church somewhere. And if it's not here and you don't like this place, then don't come back. I'm just being serious here. That might sound too pushy for some, but I'm just being real. No hard feelings. I love you. But I want like-minded people who's going to follow centering, pointing, and living, and they're going to get their seriousness on with this word called devotedness. Because when that happens, woo, get ready. It is going to be fun. We're going to be dancing, we're going to be singing, and we're going to be shouting his holy name. And the master's going to say, ooh, boy, this is fun up in the loft this morning. He just, he's going to enjoy, he's just going to enjoy this verse. He's going to say, well done, guys. Thank you for sharing your story this week. Thank you for sharing that the fact that I struggle with porn. Thank you for sharing the fact that I cheated on my, my husband. Thank you for sharing that I struggle with, with this addiction. Thank you for sharing. He's just going to be so excited because it's going to cause a chain reaction. Because next thing you know, when Jesus shows up, he says, hey, come, I'll take those burdens. Hey, come, I, just trust me with this. You can't trust man. Trust me with this. I'm telling you, it's going to cause, it's going to cause you to feel so much better. It's going to liberate you. It's going to produce the freedom. As a matter of fact, it's going to allow you to know that I love you. And so how are we going to get there? Well, see, if you're a believer and you need to partner with somewhere, I pray you are. And if you're not here, that's okay. But go find a church that teaches the Bible and plug in and invest in and invest everything that you have on the greatest cause of this planet, this planet called Earth, which is, which is his love put in motion, creates the church. But do it somewhere. And if it's here today, I, I want you to understand these five little small things, these five things that are sort of have transformed our life. And these five things that, that are our partnership belief has put things in motion. But here it is. I will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Christ. I will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we will have to do things that no one's doing. We will have to go places where no one's going. We will have to, to love on people in ways no one is demonstrating or reflecting his love in this community. So we will have to stand on it. I will do anything. We will do anything short of sinning to reach people who do not know Christ. First one. Second one, I will lead the way with crazy generosity. I will be responsible with what generosity looks like. We will truly believe it is blessed to give than to receive. And we will support the local church and then we'll give as God provides. You can't outgive God, trust me. And then give even more because it's simply not ours in the first place. We just to get to manage it for a while while we're here on earth in this little small vapor we call time. Next one, number three, I will be a spiritual contributor and not a spiritual consumer of the church. The church does not exist for me. We are the church and we are existed for the world. 
So we will go and be the church and actively serve in Love Loud Now events and other ministries of Centerpoint and his church, global church, for the bride of Christ. Number four, I will honor Christ and his church with obedience in everything. This is the toughest one. If we live with radical obedience, nothing else matters. If we don't live with obedience, nothing else matters. You know, my wife and I adopted four words a couple years ago, long obedience, same direction. Do you know how painful those four words are? We've lost some really good friends over these four words. It's costed us almost everything. Financially, a lot. But I'm telling you, I would, I would do it all over again because I know now of the Christ-sized love I have for everybody, even my wife and my family has, has matured in something I never thought was possible. It's changed me. I've become the number one disciple and I am blessed because of it. We will live with radical obedience that reflects Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Number five, I will give up things I love for things I love even more. I will give up things I love for things I love even more. It's an honor to sacrifice for Christ and his church. The local church is the hope of the world and we know we can accomplish infinitely more together than apart. So I will commit to serving in some role within this body of believers, meaning you gotta start to do something. You can't just come anymore. You can't just sit here in these seats. You've got to be a participant. He said, this is our movement. This is what Centerpoint's about. And we're almost 200 services deep into this. And right now I would say there's somewhere about three to 400 people engaged, but not three or 400 people is up here this morning. Why is that? Because I give up things I love. No, I, I want, it's me church sometimes. It just feels good up here. Yeah, it looks good. I like it. I don't know. I like, I don't know. I just blend in something. It's just, it's just, I like it. I get that a lot. Man, I need your seat. To be honest, I know we got some different seats, but let's just be real. We need, we need people that just want to invest into what God's doing through, through telling your Jesus story. And I'm just telling you, it will change the trajectory of what Jesus is doing up here in the loft. Question is, do you believe it? See, this is our need. This is our movement. And I just want to be completely transparent as the band comes, as we close this down. This is how we've made it so far. We're not divided, but we're united. And when something comes our way, we get together, we pray about it, and we put Jesus at the center of it. We're not lazy, but we're devoted to our time, our talent, and our tithe, because the truth is, if you don't give that great financially, or generosity, and I'll just tell you the truth on that one. Many of you are new believers, and you don't know what the joy comes from giving yet. And that's okay. And many of you are young and it's, your income is not where it needs to be and it, it won't be in 10 years and you can't give that much at this moment. And so our church is a very giving and generous church. But I just begin to believe what it looks like if we got serious with our giving and with our time and our talent. If we got really stoked up and fired up, do you know the impact that this little small church has? I mean, I hear people all the time saying, Jason, man, your church is everywhere and they're doing this and that and this. Man, it's just exciting. It's invigorating for me. I'm just like, yeah, it's awesome. But then I start to dream like, but what happens if we get really serious with the resources that God's blessed us? Get ready. I know what can happen. We can plant a church literally in parable. Y'all think I'm crazy. 
I mean, we can plant a church in Junction City. Some people say, there's no way. Yes, there is. I'm telling you, if we get serious about our faith and we get devoted to what God's doing, get ready. We become unstoppable. Think about what happens when you grow up and you learn to be obedient with our time, our talent, and our tithe the way we're supposed to be as the believers did in Acts chapter 2. Think about what's possible. You are unstoppable with Jesus at the center. Seriously, the devil is scared to death of churches like this with their focus like this. He is going to try to trip you up, convince you that do not be a part of this movement. Hey, you don't need to be around. Matter of fact, just, just go back and sit. Matter of fact, just go back and watch the Olympics because they only come around every four years. He's going to lie to you. He's going to manipulate it. But I'm telling you, God wants us to move in on it, camp on it, be united, and trust him with all of our hearts, all of our souls, and all of our minds. And when we do that, it moves us to change our lives. The question is, do you want it? Do you really want to change? Do you really want to change what you care about? Do you really want to, out of Fimos, devote yourself to something? Because when you do, it'll change everything. It'll change everything. So on the way in, you were given a small card. It says, change lives, change lives. It's just pretty simple. On the inside, it says time, talent, or tithe and talent. There's a parfait, meaning you can rip it off. But we want you to begin to believe with us and partner with us and start to serve with us. So if this is something you want to start with, let's start there. You start to pray in what it really looks like to be a part of a community of believers that's changing lives that change lives. And then slowly as we start to move, I hope you just take this home and you start to do something. Start to read this and allow God to move you. On the inside, it says time. It says prayer. We're going to pray first. We're going to pray second. We're going to pray third. But there's some items that you can start to pray over. And the last one, the hardest one, is just so true, money but we can't do it without you. Your resources are great. And I just know what it looks like to make a sacrifice because I know what took place five years ago in that living room. Some huge sacrifice on behalf of a couple of believers. Matter of fact, eight believers. Eight. It multiplied into where we're at today. And if these couple hundred people right here get serious about their faith, I can only imagine what's possible because you got devoted to Christ finally. I believe this is what happens. If you apply this one word today, your life will change. If you apply this one word today, your life will change. And the word is adephemos. The word is Adephemos, and you'll stand before the Father, and he'll say, thank you for devoting your life toward me. Thank you for being so Christ-centered. It, you devoted, I can clearly tell, you, you devoted everything. It started to, to just, you can tell that you're starting to point with everything that you are, in the way you live, in the way you're just breathing, the way you're loving on people. It's, you can tell that your devotion to me is greater than you. I love the fact that you traded in that boat and you gave that money away to some foster kids. I love that. 
I love the fact that you, even though your schedule says Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you give up your whole Friday and your afternoons just to go mentor students. I love the fact that you decided to trade in some of your resources to see something dramatically happen with our blitzes or Love Loud Nows. And he's gonna stand in front of you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in and enjoy the good, good father. But it all starts with devoted.